Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. If you are a builder, remodeler, or contractor, this is your go-to resource for business growth strategies, as well as marketing and sales tactics. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders, construction professionals in the trenches, and from our team of digital marketing experts here at Builder Funnel. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 55 with Rob Bohr. And in this episode, we dive into a number of different things. Uh, Rob has actually been in the industry for 46 years as a remodeler. He's owned 25 different businesses, so he brings a wealth of knowledge. And there are a couple of cool highlights in here that I'll give you a quick preview. One is that he talks about how to speed up your production process and how you can actually turn overhead money into net profit. Um, Very, very cool. And then we also talk about selling the experience versus the end result and how to differentiate yourself. So I think you're going to get a ton out of this episode. Uh, Take some notes. There's some great actionable things, but it's also kind of just inspirational. And it got me fired up thinking about um, how to think about some things a little bit differently. So stay tuned for episode 55 with Rob Bohr. Hey, Rob, glad to have you on the show today. Thanks, Spencer. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation because, um, well, a number of reasons, but one of those reasons is that you've uh, been remodeling for 46 years, and so you've got a wealth of knowledge to share with our listeners, Uh, but we've also been kind of connecting over, um, I guess, uh, Homewood of all places, and so that's where where you're from, and I've got some extended family there as well, but uh, I guess maybe you can just kind of kick us off by telling our audience, you know, how did you get into the the remodeling space? You know, where did this all start? You know, I, I mentioned that my dad had a hobby of refinishing furniture and, uh, and I loved being a part of anything he was doing. And as we got into that, there were so many tools that I was not allowed to use. And so <laughs> I think this is, this is my revenge. <laughs> and so uh, you know, through the, through the years, I just bought everything that I ever dreamed about wanting as far as tools and equipment. And actually later, um, I asked him to take early retirement and join me in the business. And so we worked together for another 20 years and, uh, I will always, uh, enjoy those memories of actually being able to work side by side while doing home remodeling. It was fun. That's awesome. That's so anyway, cool. that's how, how we got into that. And then, Later, I had an opportunity to join an apprenticeship program with a union to learn how to be a journeyman carpenter. And then before that four years was up, I had uh, joined together with some other friends and relatives to start a remodeling company. And we thought we could make it work. We hoped we could make what we were making as union carpenters. And, uh, and it took off. And, uh, and then we began to learn the business side of doing that this uh this industry something that we really had no knowledge about at all uh and that really from there um i continued anytime i got a chance i would take other classes and certifications um i hold about seven certifications from the national association of home building and uh learned a lot that way and was really really appreciated what they made available to all of us um because there was no place to get you know information or education other than, um, well, really, when I started, there were no conventions, there were no books, 
um, there really was nothing in this industry. Um, so all that industry has changed during the last 46 years. Yeah, there's a, a wealth of information out there now, which is nice. But uh, yeah, I'm sure you were kind of hunting for that information at the time. And uh, that's interesting that, you, you know, yeah. I think a lot of these these guys uh, that are listening, you know, start in a similar way, you know, where you on the tools, you learn the craft, you learn the trade. Um, but then, and then you find yourself a business owner and you go, Oh, interesting. Now I've got to figure out all these things about leadership and finance. And, you know, so, um, I guess, do you have any just quick recommendations for people that, that are true craftsmen and experts, you know, what would you say to them in terms of, you know, prioritizing learning the, the actual business side versus the, the craft side? That's the, uh, and, and there are some things, again, the, the National Association of Home Builders and Remodelers that, that they teach their courses that deal with those things. Uh, the best thing, uh, there are several other books out there. There are a few other guys out there. Michael Stone's books are really good. Michael has done a great job. Um, you have uh, you know, Victoria Downing and Linda Case have done a great job with Remodelers Advantage. Um, you know, some of those guys, Les Cunningham, you know, with Business Networks. Those guys did such a good job in pushing this industry, you know, to to different levels. And I encourage you know everybody to check out those uh, those resources. I guess is, is the word we want to use. Uh, it's yeah. great, and I continue to read business books. Um, and I actually found out I could borrow from under other industries by reading business books and figure out how they were doing something, and then turn around and see how I could apply it. And that worked really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that's a good point because I think you can pick up those same strategies that other people are using in other industries and just go, oh, okay, if I apply this here. Uh, a lot of times I find the construction industry is a little bit slower to adopt either new strategies or new technology. And so if you are taking those things from other industries, then you can find yourself getting ahead. Um I want to I want to ask you because I know you know you've been in the space you've seen a lot I know you've kind of coached and mentored people along the way too as you um, grew your business and figured a lot of these things out you know what are maybe some of the the big pitfalls or mistakes that you see people making in in this industry you know um, probably the most popular request that I get. Literally to the point where I get tired of it. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's only three things. It's like, how do I advertise my business? How do I sell my sell my product? And how do I produce it? Um, I don't get a lot of questions about the production part because everybody, everyone's a tradesman. They they already have their hands pretty well deep into the industry, and so they can with that they understand the, they they believe that they understand the production part. And I'll put it that way. So they're mainly asking, how can I promote my business? And how can I sell better, you know, in order to get a better price? That's that's the biggest thing. You know, someone asked me years ago, um, I've owned, I, I bought other businesses through the years, and I've owned 25 businesses. Uh, I always owned a remodeling company, but I would buy other trade businesses, plumbing companies, electric companies, mm -hmm. mainly yeah. because I wanted to understand how they functioned and how they worked. And in that, someone had asked me one time, one of my businesses was going under. And they asked me, what was the number one thing that caused it to fail? And I said, honestly, I think I've come up with a list of 30 things that caused my business to fail. And, <laughs> Just a uh, short list, right? <laughs> yeah. 
it was like, there's so many things that I don't know about business. And so I, with that, I really decided I'm going to find out how to do these things and, uh, and apply them, you know, to the businesses that I have in order to learn how, how to produce and, and how to, how to handle my finances, you know, on the jobs and how to, um, how to really, you know, do, when I say produce, I mean, really increase the speed of production. Um, and it was, I needed to learn how to market. And uh, of course I wanted to learn how to market, you know, where it didn't cost me so much. And I wanted to learn how to sell and what works and what doesn't work. And I realized that I actually needed to take notes every time I got through with a meeting, I needed to sit down and write down what happened. And did, when I said that, how did they react? And maybe I don't need to say that again. <laughs> it's like, maybe that's one of the first ways I can improve. And so it was really study the entire you know, process to figure out how to do this better. And uh, someone said, well, how did you finally get it to work? And I said, I really, I really think it's the fact that you just don't give up is, is that you, you hit a wall, you hit a problem and you just start digging in to find out how do I do that better? How can I keep this from happening ever again? And uh, it was, I think that's the, I, I just flat wore it out, you know, to where, uh, where problems, um, it's, it's like we finally figured out the parts and pieces that we needed to to stop the the troubles that we were having in the business. Yeah, that's that's awesome advice because I feel like sometimes we're looking for some magic answer, and sometimes the answer is just keep grinding at it until you crack it. You know, <laughs> you know, just keep working at it and working at it. Right. Someone said a couple of days ago, "What is the secret phrase you use to close these big, you know, to bigger deals?" And I said, actually, the, the the secret phrase is for you to answer this question to me. What is different about you than the other guy? I said, if you can define the things that are different about you and your company. I said, that's what makes the difference. Uh, I said, we do 13 things that other companies don't do. Some companies do three or four of those things, but they none of them do all 13 of these. And so I make sure that they know that in my first sales meeting with them. These are the things that we do that the other companies are not going to offer you. And uh, you have to differentiate yourself um, in order to get their attention. It's kind of, you know, it's like you have to shock someone to get their attention and then they'll listen. And so you, you make that list and that's how you move from being basically just a guy who can drive nails and turn out a, you know, a product into someone who can create a remodeling experience that they're going to enjoy. Um, that's the challenge. It's like, how can we really make this a fun process? And how can we solve these problems so that people um, people actually enjoy remodeling, uh, having their home torn to shreds? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds know? like a ball of fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I like how you said that you, I mean, you distilled it down to 13 things that made you different. And that's something I've been talking about a lot is just this idea that, you know, USP or, you know, your unique selling proposition or what makes you really different. Um, and I think a lot of times we think, oh, you know, being in business for 20 plus years or being family owned or having high quality, these things make us different. But then we realize everybody's saying those things. So can you give us a couple of examples of of things that are truly differentiators, or at least maybe a couple of ideas on how somebody can go about identifying maybe how they might be different? Sure. 
um, we always immediately you know, start talking about you know three to five different things with the clients. Um, one of the first things is that we do that's different is we have a full-time project manager who is on their job all day, every day. And most of my friends say, we can't afford to do that. And I said, well, we figured out how to afford to do that so that the job is under control. And, you know, one thing I realized back in the, I guess it was in the mid eighties was that every ad that was in the yellow pages advertised quality and honesty. I'm the honest <laughs> contractor. I do quality work. And one day it was like, how do you differentiate yourself? And then I realized my customer actually assumes that I'm going to do quality or they wouldn't call me. They didn't look for someone who they thought couldn't do quality. Right, and they, yeah. assume, they assume that I'm honest. So you take those two assumptions and set them aside. Now, what is it that I'm really selling to them? They said, I, what you're really doing is you're getting inside their head uh, when you're selling to them and you're talking about what the experience is going to be like. So when I sit down with a client, I'm going to I'm going to talk about the project manager who's going to take care of the job. He's going to control the job. He's going to make sure that they're safe. He's going to make sure that their kids are secure. You know, we're going to do this in a way that's convenient to them by keeping the job clean and, and that we're going to provide service to them. We're going to be opening the door for the subcontractors as they come and go all day long. We're going to make sure that the job stays clean all the way through the job. If there's a problem, we're going to immediately take care of it in a matter of seconds, not in a matter of hours or days, but we have a project manager on site who solves that problem right now. And so we discuss with them our process and I actually sell the process. I don't really, I'm not selling the remodeling. We can do the production work. We can build the job that they want. And we have the pictures and the evidence to prove that we've done that. But what they really want is someone who is going to take them on this journey. So what I'm really doing is describing the vehicle we're going to put them in for this journey. Like everybody can sell, you know, a base model car. I'll try not to mention a brand, <laughs> but, uh, but there's a reason why they make brands that are different. And there are different things that every brand of car, you know, contributes. And it's like, if you want this feature, it only comes with this car. One of the things that we do is, um, for example, if you want a car that has more horsepower, it's like you you can't get that in a really cheap car, a really basic car. And the reason for having more horsepower is because you of speed. You want to be able to go faster occasionally, of course. And uh, and so along that line, I have to be careful. I'll give something away. Along that line, it's um, we we explain to them that we will do the job for them forty percent faster than any other contractor. And we promise them that if the job that we're talking about takes 10 weeks to do, we will promise that we can finish that job in six weeks. And what we've done is develop processes and procedures. Having that full-time project manager makes a huge difference. Every one of our jobs, for example, is put on a timeline every day, every half day is scheduled before we ever start the job. And by doing those basic principles, what has happened is our jobs have been getting faster and faster through the years so that we can actually complete the entire project faster and get out of their hair. Uh, the other thing is we do it for the same price as all the other good guys in town. We're not charging more than the good guys. Our price is higher than people who are guessing or don't know what they should be charging, but we're not having to charge a premium for that service. So 
So our cost comparison is the same as the others. It's our service and, and the way that we can deliver that service and take care of them that is what they're really buying. They're buying the safety. One fellow told me, if you can do this for my family, if you can, if, if they will be secure while I'm traveling the business and they'll be safe and my kids will be safe. And we have policies that there, where there's no tobacco use on the job, no, no drugs, alcohol, there's no profanity allowed on the job site. And we do that as a service to our, to our client. And the guy told me, I'll pay you $5,000 extra if you do this for my family. If you'll take care of my family this way, that's what we're after. That's what we're after is someone who looks at, at this and says, if I can give you know, this homeowner a better experience, they will pay for it. In the same way that you can buy a hotel room for $35 a night or $350 a night, they actually build, think about that, Spencer, they build hotels that charge $350 a night and people pay it and they stay in business. It's like, I'm looking for that client. You yeah. know, that's what I want. I want that guy. And, you know, but what comes with that is you better have your act together. You better have your service together and you better have everything about that job ready. Every contract, every document, every change order, make it smooth. Let there be a process that makes this whole thing work and work well and where everybody can win in, in doing this job together. Um, and we use all subcontractors. And so, uh, and because of that, we really have to build a team with those, uh, those trade contractors uh, in order to succeed. Yeah. Man, that's that's awesome. I think uh, there's a lot of a lot of takeaways in there, but I think you know one of the big ones was you know selling the the experience, not that you know that finished product or the production. You know, like you said, everybody's in the business, so they should be able to do that. Some slower, some faster, but what you're really doing is selling that experience. And um, I want to shift gears just a little bit. I, th- I know when you and I first connected, you kind of talked about this idea of being. Um, small and mighty. Um, and I think, you know, most people, we like to talk about growth, right? Like increase sales and increase, you know, all these things we're trying to push everything to the, to the max. Um, but you know, I think this concept of small and mighty is interesting. So I guess, can you kind of talk, talk about that a little bit and kind of explain what you mean? Sure. I mean, we, like everyone else, we chased the volume. It was like, my, I, had, I had a goal, you know, I needed 10 million in leads every year in order to, you know, produce the kind of work that we wanted to do. I had uh, $6 million worth of work that we were pricing at any time. And we were chasing it and chasing it. And then we realized, you know, it's, it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. And as I, I, as I sat back and I kept thinking about that, it's like, is it, you know, is this, is all of this tied to just the gross volume that we produce or can we maximize profit instead of trying to maximize our volume? And so we concentrated on maximizing our profit and then deciding at what point, you know, it's like, is there a point where, uh, and some of the clients that I work with now, they actually called me recently that our marketing for them was working really good. And they actually had too much work coming in and they needed to shut off the marketing because they had so many leads coming in. They were already booked up and, uh, and they were concerned, you know, about that. And it's like, so you can do the marketing. Then the question is, do I have the right clients? You know, and so we were getting a really high closing ratio uh, with our clients. 
And I heard the concept that I shouldn't be closing as many jobs as I was getting. And so I set a new record. Okay, well, we're just going to try to close, let's say, 60%, whoever calls us. And, um, and then after we, we did that you know, for a while, it was like, well, maybe I need to narrow it down. I need, need to be more specific and more picky for the clients. And so we set a new goal of 10%, which I know sounds ridiculous. The industry average is 30% of closing uh, ratios. And, uh, but we really felt if we were going to filter down to the best client, then could we, we set a goal for 10. Um, we actually never hit that goal. We, we, we always were able to close 30% of, of our clients. But we attacked it with, with that kind of attitude. You know, do, does this couple get along good with each other? Do they have, have there been any warning signs during our design meetings with them? Is, um, is there, you know, is there any question about the financing on the job? Is there, how far out is the job? Is, is, is this a long distance job or is it, is it local? And we started getting in tighter and tighter because it really came down to, I wanted a good job that was going to be profitable. And so we actually wound up shrinking the size of the company. And in order to maximize profits. And so the benefit of that is I have a, uh, I have a friend now who, who does about 15 million a year in volume with his business. And we were talking and sharing information. And we were, we basically, I, I handed him my books and he handed me his. And we both, and we just sat down and scrutinized everything. And we got through it and he said, okay, I see what you're doing. But, you know, your, your volume is not that high. And I said, well, no, not compared to yours. And I said, but my income is higher than yours. And that's how I got his attention. It was like, because what I decided is I, I wanted to make uh, with as little risk, as a little exposure and risk uh, as, as I could, I wanted to make as much as I could. So I wanted to make it 10% of, of gross volume as my owner income. But then I wanted to maximize the profit side of it. And by doing that, we actually are able now to run our company where we pay for our materials and our labor and our subcontractors. And then I pay our project managers. I pull my income out and then I pay all my overhead expenses and my profit margin averages 29% net. And uh, so with that, it's like, if you add my income to that, I'm actually, I actually wind up making 39% of the sales price of the job on every job that I do. Uh, it, it gives me freedom to pick and choose my jobs. I can expand my company if I want to, or I can shrink it. The key is to be max, is to maximize the profit margin so that you're making a fabulous income without the risk involved. In order you know, to do the $15 million, uh, a year, he has incredible insurance uh, payments that he has to pay on that kind of volume. I don't have that kind, those kind of payments. And so that's, with that, I have savings on you know, my overhead expenses. And so we just found out how to do that so that we could have a very comfortable business that paid us as if we were a you know, Fortune 500 CEO and... Uh, could enjoy doing the jobs with the very best clients. And then we, by doing that, what happened is our closing ratios started going up again um, as we would pick through and would target 
or marketing is something that you know a lot about to actually find your client so that my phone doesn't ring unless it's that client that we have branded the company to come to us. And so now it's like our closing ratio is 93%. If my phone rings, that person is going to sign a design price agreement, design price agreement with me, and then they're going to sign a construction contract with me for the remodeling project with a 93% closing ratio. That's very comfortable. I don't think that we do. And so even in our marketing, we're you, know, you can you can put a blast out to Google and it's like setting off a nuclear bomb and you've got every, everybody in the world calling you. You need full-time staff just to, to sift through the phone calls that are going to come in. And instead, we have our specific clients who call us who already have a really good idea from our brand, who we are and what we do. And it's it's, uh, it's incredibly efficient. And so, and again, it frees you know, is is how, how much time I'm involvement does it take for me to produce what we're doing and uh, and to give me a lifestyle uh, business that that I want um, so I can take month-long vacations and uh, pretty much when I want to um, because I don't have the stress that I would have if I had 50 employees. Hey guys, just a quick announcement before we get to the rest of today's episode. We've been getting a ton of feedback on our Done For You social media program. Now, if social media has been a frustration of yours, or you feel like you're not posting enough, this is the perfect solution for you. And as a listener of the podcast, we've got a special promotion going on right now. So just head over to remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at the checkout. So if you want to get more engagement and more people finding you on platforms like Facebook and Instagram, hit pause really quick and check out remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at checkout. All right, back to the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, well, first of all, that that's pretty incredible. I've never, never heard uh, somebody in the industry talking about having those uh, sort of profit margins. And I'd imagine a lot of listeners are going, holy smokes, you know, because I bet a lot of them aren't even close to that. And so um, my question is, what types of major decisions do you have to make to make something like that even possible? Because um, I would imagine that first when you first hear that, you go, okay, oh, that's like, that's an outlier. That's no way can I do that, you know? And I want to get people listening to this thinking, okay, let me just reframe this. How would that be possible? And so uh, what are maybe a, two or three things, uh, maybe decisions you have to make or things you have to consider uh, that can help you get on that path towards higher higher net profit, Um and, uh, and I'll maybe just jump in real quick. I'm guessing one of those is that actually you said that you price your jobs pretty similarly, but you finish 40% faster. So I would imagine that process is one of those things. But uh, anyway, I'll, I'll let you jump in and, and kind of uh, open our eyes to this new world. <laughs> and, and that really was the key. What we did is our goal was to improve by 1% every day. If I ask you to improve your business by 50%, you'd say, I can't do it. I can't make that. You know, there's no way I can do it. It's impossible. But if I ask you to improve by 1%, you go, well, anybody could do that. But, but the truth is, in 50 days, you would have improved your business. By 50, but you give yourself a vision. And that's what we, that's how I start everybody with, is to, uh, is we give ourselves a vision of what we can do and we keep it simple. It's like, I just need to improve something by 1% every day. Maybe it's my contract. Maybe it's the way that I write my scope of work. Maybe it's how I do change orders. Maybe it's how I collect my money. And so what we do is we make all those 
improvements. And we actually came under, um, we were actually, we were trying to be better. And by accident, we found out we were getting faster on the job sites. And what happened is we were reviewing the books and we were like a job that used to take us, you know, four weeks was taking us three weeks to do 25% faster on this. What's going on? And they were like, we don't know. It's just everything's where it needs to be. And we have all the materials are there because we've cleaned up how we order materials and all the extra supplies are on the site ahead of time. So we don't have to make extra trips. And, and you can see the pattern that's beginning here, Spencer, is that all of those little decisions were adding up and creating something new that we didn't realize. But when when we saw that that was happening, we said, well, what if we concentrated on this and we actually tried to get faster? And so then it was figuring out as we got more and more into the timeline, scheduling everything on three trade contractors at the same time. There was somebody working on the inside of the house, on the outside of the house, and up on the roof at the same time. And so we were shrinking the schedule of production was shrinking. And it took two years and we got it down to 40% faster so we can do a 10-week job in six weeks we can uh, one of my clients asked me if we could redo their kitchen while they were out of town for a week and we were like well i don't know let let us go think about it and uh, and i said seriously this a uh, a class and we sat down and began to draw out the schedule on the board of how we could do their kitchen or a kitchen or a bath um, in one week. And at the end of eight weeks, we had actually done that on, we had charted out how we would do that. And so um, we went back to them and agreed uh, to do their kitchen while they were on vacation. And they, an average kitchen for us is probably 65,000. So they left, we came in, tore everything out, started putting the new, you know, the plumbing changes, ordered everything, got the stone countertops in, cabinets finished, room painted floored, everything, and we finished in one week. The amazing thing about that is that that's not 40% faster. <laughs> For us, you know, in, in my community, it probably takes five weeks to do a kitchen. We could typically do a kitchen in three weeks, but to do it in one week, look at what happened to the money. So like we we picked up 65000 in one week of time, and then the rest of the story started coming together because we project. And uh, the job was over. The customer was thrilled. Our, our project manager on site was thrilled because the, the job went so smoothly and everything just hit like clockwork. Um, everybody was happy. They paid normal price for the product. And but what happened was that we realized we had two and a half weeks of overhead money and there was no place to spend it. And when that happens, all of that money falls through a crack and winds up in net profit. So by actually doing each individual job faster like that, we we actually are able to turn overhead money into profit money because we don't need the overhead because we got through with the job so quickly. And, and that, that, that was one of the huge secrets to this. Uh, when we finish a job in six weeks that is supposed to take 10 weeks at expense of all of our overhead costs in the business instantly turns into net profit. And on top of that, we have an extra month to sell to another customer. 
so that we can actually be we can be producing at 140% for the year where the year before we were producing at 100%. So there's more work to, there's more work that you can do in the same amount of time and every time you do it there's a compounding action where action where that money is dropping down to the bottom line. And so, and not only that, but with, with that, then there are other cost savings. We shopped our materials more. We, we began to uh, negotiate with our vendors for cash discounts. We, uh, we looked for anything that could possibly affect that, just a little bit more, a little you know, bit higher percentage. And that's really how all that came together, is that we use the timelines to help us control the jobs. We use the full-time project manager on site, you know, all day, every day to get that thing done and managed and produced. And uh, my project managers are not allowed to wear tools. These are, these are just managers. All they do is manage. And, uh, and they finish that job, they wrap up, and they can go right to the next job. And uh, one of the things that I do with my project managers is do that job. So if they get through in six weeks, they get a 40% increase um, in, in their pay. And and uh, so I don't penalize them for finishing early. I incentivize them, project managers happy, and then the company is receiving this compounded uh, dividend because the company is running better. And, uh, and we can go immediately right into the next project. Um, so that's, a, that's kind of a snapshot of how that works. Yeah, that's, Did that's you, incredible. You stay with me? Yeah, I'm with you. I've just been uh, taking some mental notes. And uh, yeah, that's, that's incredible. And I can see... Um, you know, just focusing on the timeline and, and speeding that up, how that would have such a big impact. And then, like you said, you, you just look for all these little things that could start compounding on that. But I mean, yeah, that, that big one is, um, I like the way you phrase it, kind of unlocking that overhead money and turning it into net profit, you know, and, and that's really what that process does. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's super cool. So anybody listening, hopefully they'll start kind of looking at their their timeline and going, okay, can I shave it by 5% or 10%? You just, you start small, incremental, and you, you keep whittling away at it. So um, that's awesome. Well, I know you've, you've been in the remodeling space. You've owned 25 different companies. Um, you said you picked up some trades along the way. Um, but now I know you're kind of shifting into uh, more of the um, coaching, consulting, speaking kind of world. Um, I guess what, uh, what inspired you to make that, that leap? Uh, was it just because you felt like you, you mastered this process or you just, uh, enjoy working with other remodelers or, you know, what caused that transition? You, you know, when I, I looked back on how I started in the business and I didn't have anyone to help me, um, that was a major impact on my life. Um, it's it's a horrible, lonely experience uh, when you're when you're doing that. When you're trying to build a business by yourself, anyone trying to build a business understands that. But they have no resources and no knowledge. And now you have things. You have the internet. <laughs> you have access to again books and information that were not out there. You know, great companies. Uh, these these you know massive companies that are doing such good work. You know, helping remodelers. And it really got to the point where. Okay, we we've hit this and we've hit this stride. So now the question is, I can do this at this point in my life. I can do this for another ten years, let's say. Or what if I could take this and put it together and help other remodelers to do what we did? 
to be able to say, I know you're having a problem with this. Actually, we made that mistake. Here's what we did to solve it. Uh, do you think this would work for you? And really just have a conversation. And so um, what I what I did, actually, I, I uh, basically wrapped things up and, and pushed my appointments to the next month. And I took off and I went to the beach for a month. And I sat down and collected all my notes and basically wrote a book, uh, uh, which is still in the process of being edited. But uh, it's like, how would you do it? How would you tell someone else to do these things? And so I basically just sat there for a month and tried to define how, how somebody would do that. And once I got that, then the book has gone to editing. But I realized that I could actually teach this like it's a course, or I could use this to train someone else. And so I do one year consulting with, with the people now, and then I also do three-day events. And I explained to them, I said, you know, it's, I said, it's a workout because basically it's, we, we have a conversation for 20 hours. And in order to explain, we start at the beginning and we talk about the vision that they need for their company. And then we just go through all of the processes of how to run the company. And we do talk about production and we talk about sales and we talk about, you know, the marketing and, uh, but then I always ask them, what about the other 24 things that you need to know? Because then all of these things can be. And I said, you, you need to know how to handle these things. And, uh, and so that really is, it really was born out of the fun of being able to do what I want to do. And at the same time, work with other remodelers. And our, our tagline is, is, I think that's the first time I've ever, I've ever used that term. But our tagline is that we can save you three decades of grief um, <laughs> just by going through either a three-day event or by, you know, we'll do a one-year console uh, to help your company grow. And then we walk away. And I want to see, I want to see somebody help uh, remodeling companies um, the way for the guys that are eager to learn and are willing you know, to, and are really are teachable then I want to give them that information in a lump sum and solve those problems and get them get them working to be profitable. I want to, uh, and, and, a, and on a side effect, it's like you know, 50% of marriages are failing because of money. And it's like, well, if we can fix that, then that's part of our gift, you know, to helping these people is like not only if I can make that remodeling business successful, but then they're also playing, they're paying all of their subcontractors and their subcontractors, you know, their lives are changed and the community's life has changed. And you're, you're actually doing something that can have a tremendous effect just by dealing with the basics of making, helping someone to be successful in the remodeling industry. And so remodeling has always been, I started out as a remodeler. I'm still offended if somebody calls me a builder. You know, it's like, no, I'm a remodeler. That's what I do. That's what I've always done. And I don't think of myself as a builder. I actually think of building as a completely different trade. Uh, remodeling is unique. Um, you know, a builder wants no one to be at their at the house and they want to build a house. A remodeler moves in with them. It's like you have to be a little bit psycho to do what we do <laughs> to take on that kind of pain. And uh but it, it really came down to that, Spencer. It was like, you know, what would be the most fun? And, and that's, that's, 
that's what you want to get to. Ask yourself that question and then figure out how can I build that business? And, and, and somebody said, well, why, but why are you doing that? And I said, well, I said, it really comes down to, I'm going to need pallbearers one day. And, uh, and so I need to have a bunch of friends who can, who can carry the casket. <laughs> and so if, if I can help them, it's like, man, I've created a life that I can just feel really good about. Uh, and so uh, that's what's driving it is that how can we solve those problems and uh, get people further along the line to, to success? Yeah. Or at least know why, why their business failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, in some ways it's a natural transition, but I like how you brought it back to, I mean, it's exciting. It's fun to you. And there's kind of that, that purpose behind it that has that ripple effect to other companies, their families, their communities, you know, and you can, you can see that, you know, happening and it all starts from, you know, that knowledge that you can pass along and then it just kind of spreads from there. So, um, well, yeah, that's remodelers who are paying their bills on time. You know, how does that, how does that affect a vendor? You know, would a vendor be excited about that? Yeah. Wouldn't it it'd make a huge difference? Yeah. Uh, and I push the guys to, you know, ask for a, a cash discount. So, <laughs> yeah. So that the vendor gets money even faster. So anyway, it's like just, it. uh, um, it, it sounded, and it was the kind of thing, the more I thought about it, it was like, this would really be fun. And, uh, and I had already built my business to where it was, uh, everything was subcontracted. Um, you know, we all subcontract our legal services and our accounting, our CPA. I just decided that I would, uh, I would outsource my secretary and my design staff. And, and then now, of course, I even outsource my project managers. So I, I can run a corporation of one. And uh, I can expand the company when I want to or shrink it when I want to. When the economy goes sour, I can shrink the company. I never have to fire anybody. If, the, if, if things are taken off, there's, a, there's an influx of jobs, and I can, grow, I can grow the company. It takes a lot of pressure off of you. And uh, so it's the kind of thing that, that um, sounded like fun, and it has been. I've been doing this for a few years now, and I really enjoy it. That's awesome. That's cool. Well, uh, I've got a couple more questions for you, but before I get to those, you know, if people want to connect with you or, uh, you know, learn more about you and, and maybe either the consulting or the, the three-day event, or maybe just, you know, pick your brain for a couple minutes. I don't know if that's something that you do, but how, how can people find you or get connected? Well, my email address is rob at remodelit.info or they can call me 205 205- 283-1955. And with any of them, you know, it's like I spend an hour with folks. Um, I talk to people every day and sometimes it's just to have a conversation. Um, sometimes they call from something like this and they're not interested in a consultant or attending any kind of uh, learning experience. And that's fine. And my goal is to encourage them and help them and, um, and wind up making another friend who um, you know, potentially is somebody I, I get to stay in touch with. And so it's, it's a lot of fun. Cool. All right. Well, um, it just hit me. I, one of the reasons I love this industry is, uh, I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts and, uh, a lot of times, like there's a section where you can say, Hey, how do you connect with the guests? And in no other industry, I have, I had so many people say, here's my cell phone number. Give me a call. And I mean, you're not the first to do it, but, uh, it, 
it's I love it. I love it. It's super cool. Uh, we're going to transition though into our our last segment of the show. It's uh, it's called the Fast Five, and we're going to do kind of some rapid fire questions. Uh, and so I'll just hit you with those, and we'll see what you got. But uh, what's your favorite business book and why? You know, I think the it was probably Michael Gerber's E Myth, and now it's his it's E Myth for Contractors. Um, and the reason is Gerber understands business and he, he came, he came at this from a different angle. Um, but he absolutely understands the whole concept of a tradesperson, you know, turning into an owner and what they go through. And that was the amazing thing about him. He's probably written about seven other books. Uh, I don't recommend that you, uh, that you read any of those, um, ones that are going to help you. Uh, really are, are those, uh, the, the original book, uh, E-Myth, or uh, E-Myth for Contractors. Uh, we were inspired. Actually, he tells a story in one of those books um, that we read back in the 90s about uh, a guy who was doing kitchens in three days. Um, and that probably was the impetus in, for us to say, I think we can do it. I think we could do a kitchen in five days. Um, that guy was doing track homes. Uh, we're doing custom. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. so we don't, uh, so we still respect ourselves for only, for only having to take five days to do a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I think five is still pretty fast. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a good, good answer. Uh, um, yeah, I feel like that book has just a lot of gold nuggets in it. Um, good takeaways. All right. So who is the most inspirational person in your life? Oh, that usually would be my father. Um, I just have always, he, he was always level-headed and, uh, and controlled and just basically lived an elegant life. And I just, uh, um, I, I really have to admire everything about how he lived his life and, and he's still alive. So it's like, it's fun. Cool. I, every time he asks me something, I say, it's fun, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> hey, life should but, be fun, right? That's it. Yeah, it should. Yeah, uh, should be fun or don't play. All right. Well, here's a here's a fun one for you. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, oh, I, I've been waiting for this one. I, I think it would be the United States of America. That's my favorite superpower. All right, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that is super. Powers, they they just don't rank. Don't you agree? <laughs> I definitely agree. <laughs> I like that answer. Very good. All right. Um, describe yourself in three words. Ooh. Um, gee. Um, I think lived life abundantly might be my three words. I like it. That I want to know that I played this game in the short time span that I had here on this planet with, I played the whole game, you know, every piece of it. I, I, I got involved and, uh, and I'm, I'm reaping the rewards of that. I like it. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Final question for you. Uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Uh, I would say there's not just one piece of advice, that there's more than that. <laughs> and that I would talk to them for an hour for free if they would give me a call. <laughs> all right. And then so you'll get, give them all 30, them right? <laughs> <advice>. <laughs> yeah. like, not in one piece. 
<laughs> awesome. Thanks, Vincent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and Rob, I appreciate you joining me today. Um, I know we probably could have talked all day about a lot of these things, but I feel like um, there are a few moments that, at least in my eyes, and I hope for a lot of people listening, were uh, very inspiring to kind of think outside the box a little bit and kind of get like pull yourself out of the business for a minute or two and go, could this look differently? Could I, could I rethink this a little bit and how could this look better? And, uh, and so I definitely pulled that out. Hopefully other people will as well, but I appreciate you spending the time with us today. It's been uh, fun. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good, a good way to close it out. Uh, Well, Rob, I appreciate it. And, uh, and thanks again. All right. Goodbye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Rob Bohr. Uh, Again, I thought that was kind of part inspirational, part actionable in terms of the content. Uh, A couple of those stories in there really got me excited and starting to think about some things in a different way. Uh, But as per usual, I know you guys are on the go. You're in the truck, you're at the gym. So let's talk some action items. Uh, A couple of things that stood out to me. One was the Kaizen approach. We didn't talk about Kaizen specifically, but Rob talked about how do you improve your business by 1% every day? You know, and so, hey, if you want to try to grow by 50% or improve your business by 50%, that seems like a big number. But if you just make these incremental improvements each and every day, you can make some rapid, rapid changes. So I like that one. And then uh, action item number two is actually related to differentiation. So uh, Rob talked about how he had 13 things that made him different from his competitors. So I want you to sit down and take a sheet of paper, or pull out the, the notes app on your phone uh, and just start to brainstorm and think, okay, what are my competitors doing? What am I doing? And how many things can you list out that really make you different? And being in business for 20 plus years isn't a good one. Quality isn't a good one. We, we kind of talked about that in the show, but but start that list and see what you can come up with. So I think between those two things, uh, you can make a a big impact on your business pretty quickly. And again, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, This one got me really fired up and we will see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Builder Funnel Radio. I know there are a lot of podcast choices out there, so it really means a lot to me that you choose this as one you either subscribe or listen to regularly. Now, before we part ways for today, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you got some value out of today's episode, please either leave us a review or share this with a friend. We're really working on building a community of construction professionals that want to treat their customers right, they want to run profitable businesses, and create more jobs in our economy. So leaving a review or sharing it with a friend really helps us build that community, and we'd really, really appreciate it. All right, guys, that's all I've got for today. So we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.